Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B News, Don Draper, is Justin Garrett, Global Head of Brand and Digital Marketing at Broadridge, a global fintech leader with $5 billion in revenue, handling $9 trillion of trades per day with 7 billion customer communications across the globe. Before that, Justin held roles at Accenture, JP Morgan Chase, and Citi. So Justin Garrett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stu. First off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? It means being bold and surprising. Uh, marketing, especially B2B marketing, can use a bit more boldness, a bit more swagger. Uh, and Don's superpower that I just really loved watching uh, from 2007 on was that he could be really bold and surprising while still completely grounded in the mindset of a given target customer. Mm. Great answer. Um, Let's talk about you. You took an unusual route into marketing, starting as an actor, in fact, also studying history. Not that typical. Um, so what perspective does that background give your approach to marketing? Well, to be clear, I, I never made it as a paid actor, but um, I did love studying acting. And, you know, the challenge of being an actor, I see is very similar to the challenge of being a marketer. Uh, you're given this character and their lines on paper. And everything else is up to you. So you create a backstory, you think about the relationships this person might have, you develop their aspirations, their goals, um, and you think about what the character is saying and what the character is also not saying. And I can't think of a better, you know, brand strategy boot camp than that. Mm. Um, with history, I stumbled upon that as a, as a major in college because um, I really enjoyed the process of learning how to read, write clearly, tell stories that weave together disparate sources with all sorts of different points of view and versions of history. And while weaving that together, finding the so what and maybe even the so what of the so what, which is something still present in my marketing career. Mm, absolutely. And storytelling is so important for, for acting and history. Um, I guess it must be a feel second nature to you now. Uh, it, it does. It does. Um, it sometimes can feel a lot more complicated <laughs> with all the different channels we've got at our fingertips. Um, but, you know, I think at the heart of it, um, I've at least convinced myself that it's the same thing. <laughs> um, so tell us about Broadridge uh, for those who don't know. Sure. So I actually knew very little uh, before I joined, um, but in the past five months in my in my role, I, I've learned a ton. It's basically a giant global B two B fintech with three core businesses, each more complex than the other. 
The first is supporting wealth management and retirement firms with modern, modular tech and ops solutions, uh, ranging from the back end all the way now to the front end, the user interface, and even financial advisor tools. The second is uh, powering capital markets with solutions that optimize the entire trade lifecycle. This covers trading and post-trading activity, banking and payments, infrastructure, blockchain, digital assets. And then the third is serving public companies by supporting how they manage shareholders, creating and deploying regulatory communications that can range from proxy notices to bills, providing data and insight into how they serve their shareholders, and increasingly providing data and insight into ESG performance um, as a company, as an industry, and kind of as a planet. Now, across these three businesses, there are layers of incredible data, automation, consulting, um, and business outsourcing offerings. Uh, as you said, Broadridge is uh, a complex business with sort of three parts there in the core. Clients may be aware of some of your service, but not all of them. Uh, how do you communicate the breadth of your offering clearly to them? Sure. Well, uh, your question cuts to one of the early insights that I got uh, while starting my role. And it came from a sales leader who was just kind of uh, reflecting on the fact that one of his favorite moments when he gets to really spend time with clients is talking a bit about Broadridge as a whole, not just the, the services that that client uh, might be engaging in. And, and the, the winning, you know, the soundbite is, oh, I had no idea Broadridge also did that, whatever that may be. Um, and... So I've internalized that as like a key objective um, over, over the course of probably quarters and years to be able to um, serve the deep needs of any individual while also giving them an appreciation for the wide, rather broad view that we as a company bring to any given client situation. So it's a bit of a challenge articulating what the brand does because it does so many things. How, how do you approach that? Sure. Well, that's, that's a work in progress uh, and I'm still relatively new. Um, but we're starting with, uh, with the brilliant basics, which is a term, uh, my teammates and I at Accenture Interactive used a lot. And I think any brand, no matter where they are in their maturity curve can really benefit from focusing on the brilliant basics at a high level. That means, uh, three things. Focusing on the brand and its strategic underpinnings. Um, I use like a, a very classic framework of a brand house. Second is focusing on the components of how it shows up in the world. So the visual system, the voice, the tone. And then third, of course, the channels that we use to, ar to articulate the brand. Um, and that's a process of defining the purpose of each channel, or rather, I should say, the purposes of each channel, bringing in guidelines, flexible templates where needed, and all sorts of governance around each of them. Now, as we crystallize and unify these three things, I'm simultaneously diving into the many dimensions and facets of Broadridge, 
learning from my business and marketing partners um, and advising on ongoing and pre-planned campaigns, um, in some cases, value prop and naming initiatives. And you've been client side, then agency side, back to client side. What have you learned about the respective perspectives and priorities of being a client versus an agency? Yeah, so I didn't really set out to have a career that bounced back and forth as evenly as, as my career has turned out to be. But I, I just, uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think client side get a really great view of the wider challenges that a marketer goes through. It's not just how to express the brand, but it's how to get stakeholders bought into it. It's how to manage all of the change in organization and process and technology that comes with it. It's just a, a wider plate of, uh, of activities that uh, I really, really enjoy. And because of having a lot of agency experience, I'm, I'm hopefully able to help my teammates manage our agencies um, more efficiently, but also more empathetically. Because when you're agency side, you, you know, hours, your, your billable hours are, are, your, uh, are the lens through which you look through so much of the work you do. Um, and so I've been able to, to help on the client side in that way. On the agency side, um, if I were to boil down to one thing, I just think I have a much more sensitive bullshit meter than most, you know, lifelong agency folks. Uh, so I'm, I'm able to, to really kind of put my client hat on and really drill down to what is most useful rather than what is kind of surrounding sometimes very well-intentioned fluff. Oh, well, let's talk a little bit more about that. B2B is obsessed with telling stories, so we're told, but we haven't seen too many really great examples. What do you think are the component parts of a really compelling B2B story? I think it varies, um, you know, and it, it probably varies most by objective. So if my objective is to change brand perception, I'm going to look to craft a tale and a set of experiences that really show the brand is listening partnering with clients and sharing success. And that can be, you know, usually at larger levels than just a particular project, but of a, at the business level. And sometimes even when, when you get really glorious at, at kind of a planetary level. I think if the objective is a little lower funnel, like a prospective client considering a specific solution, I look to craft a story that really empathizes with that client's struggles, aspirations, show a vision of what a better future could be, and then illustrate, hopefully in a, in a really toned way, how the brand and its solutions are enablers of that vision. In some cases, we tell either of these stories in first person, but I think more compellingly, we sometimes tell these stories in, through our client's eyes in the third person. And I think that's, that's a, an initiative where we're really focused on, on my current team uh, to really bring some amazing client stories to life. Um, you know, the, the question you asked is about components, but I think almost more importantly is the, the emotional takeaways from these stories. Like we talk about storytelling as marketers because we want to make an emotional connection, right? Well, I, I think it's important to really 
define what we mean by emotional connection. Um, and in the case of a place like Broadridge that works with executives who have enormously high stakes um, in every decision they make, I think the, the emotions that I'm focusing on now are confidence, excitement, and sometimes even a bit of a wonder or, or you know, almost dazzling to really connect again with that kind of future vision of what a great future could be and how we fit into it. That's fascinating. Not many people have uh, mentioned wonder on this podcast before. How, how do you, what's an example of how you evoke that? Well, you know, when I think about Broadridge, um, I, I have a, <laughs> I personally have a, a good degree of wonder when I think about $9 trillion of trades a day or billions of customer communications or shareholder communications a year. Uh, you know, the scale of what we do and the importance to the financial infrastructure of the world you know, really, really kind of inspires me. Mm. So that, that, that's where the wonder for me at the moment fits in. I'm feeling it now. In fact, it's given me a little bit of vertigo just thinking about the scale of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go back in time a little bit and talk about your time at JP Morgan Chase, a big, important brand in the US. Uh, what was the story you were telling customers there and how did you take their brand message and bring it to life? Sure. Um, at JPMC, I was lucky enough to uh, to work for our chief brand officer. And at the time, Chase was beginning to unify under the promise of, uh, I'm going to quote it here, helping you make the most of what's yours. And this started to flow through all the lines of business, consumer, small business, lots of activity, lots of really great advertising and then experiences. And where we focused my team was on bringing the promise to life for the Chase Umbrella brand to really start to tie it together. And so if we're helping you make the most of what's yours, we focused on financial health as a way to, to show, not tell, that we are activating the promise. So this was super exciting, especially because my scope spanned kind of the full income spectrum from partnering with the J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation to serve the underbanked to the masses and up to the, the mass affluent. Um, and there was a twist. The, the twist was that the premise um, and kind of an underlying principle, um, which we actually developed with a pretty famous behavioral economist, um, is that financial education does not work. Uh, I'll say it again. Financial education does not work. Uh, and that's that's kind of a stunning thing to say. Um, but it's we, we, we meaning the, the behavioral economist and all the work that he's done over the years, shows that when financial education is coupled or replaced with relatable stories or training on specific financial tools, that's when financial lives improve. And so I set out to activate this across the income spectrum of Chase, um, where my target audience wasn't only Chase customers, <laughs> but it was kind of the entire country, which is also uh, a bit of, bit of vertigo. Um, and so we focused on two key areas. One is content. 
uh, we activated lots of content marketing, um, both with our newly formed in-house uh, branded content team and also partnering with some of the most major uh, consumer media properties uh, on the web to, to really find and articulate and then, of course, amplify the stories that either entertained, inspired, or instructed different target audiences to improve their financial lives in very specific and varying ways. The second area of focus was tools. Um, and we partnered both with our internal product teams as well as external partners to really test out um, you know, dozens of different tools and variations of tools um, that not only could work in you know, controlled user testing, but also work kind of in the general public. And, and what media uh, were you using? What channels and what, and what do you favor now? Well, uh, for, for that, we leaned heavily on our media partners, um, both in terms of native advertising, uh, as well as proactive newsletter placement, email marketing, um, and kind of coordinating social messaging between our branded channels and theirs. For the tools, you know, the wonderful thing about working with a company like Chase and just its access to so many consumers is that we used a lot of our owned properties to drive tremendous traffic. So those were kind of our key focus areas on media. And, and is there a framework or a structure in your mind uh, for the best way of uh, telling stories to, to such a, a wide variety? We had frameworks, um, but they were very, um, I, I find that campaign frameworks um, really need to be recreated for each company and each company's ecosystem. Um, and I say ecosystem pretty purposely because it's not only the marketing landscape, but it's also the teams internally that that activate it. Uh, and so I don't think I have a, a universal framework thinking about the storytelling and the campaigns that, that bring it to life. Um, and uh, in fact, at Broadridge right now, we are undergoing a bit of a, a recasting of the different tiers of campaigns and how uh, we come together as marketing teams to, to bring them to life. Casting the net a bit wider, what's the best bit of B2B marketing uh, that you've seen and why was it so impactful to you? Well, it's funny. I, you know, um, I learned the lesson in my first agency gig to never call marketing the best or good. Because if I haven't seen the brief and I haven't seen the results, I have no idea if it was good or a disaster. So I'm going to kind of reframe how I answer it. And I'll just say, I have a couple of favorites. Right. Okay. And, you know, the first, I, you know, I'm a big fan of B2B companies whose marketing appeals to the end users, to the individuals, uh, because they bring out kind of the, the human side of it all. Um, and the first brand that comes to mind in that category is Slack. Um, they might be out there trying to win the big enterprise accounts, but they're also really appealing to uh, end users, both through their product experience, but also through their marketing. Uh, and I, I just, I love seeing that. Um, the second is I've been a long admirer of HubSpot 
and its commitment to vast content marketing. Like I I truly find it helpful (laughs) for me day to day as a marketer. And, you know, they've got only a sliver of the muscle of, say, a sales force, but they are so consistent, so insightful that I really, um, they've really become kind of a favorite B2B marketer for me. Inspiring. Great answer. How do you think about media and channels to reach your audience at Broadridge? Well, I I generally think about media and channels uh, in two areas of focus, especially when it comes to B2B. It's what we already do and what we don't do. So for what we already do, you know, there are strategies and tactics that are ongoing that predate me. Uh, And so I'm hyper-focused on really understanding them and then collaboratively, positively questioning everything that that doesn't make sense, at least to to my basic view of things. Um, And and I, I do that with the goal of hopefully simplifying, sometimes consolidating ongoing efforts. Um, because I, I am sure any B2B marketer's life has room to be simple, <laughs> has room to be simpler. I know mine does. Um, and then the second, what we, what we don't do. Um, and, and the way, the way I'm approaching that and the way I've approached it in the past as well is taking a fresh look at the marketing objectives of a particular segment or overall and identifying the areas where we've got some room and appetite to experiment. And so this typically results in carefully selected bets, mostly small, maybe sometimes big, uh, where we hope to either prove ROI or fail spectacularly and quickly, learn what doesn't work and react accordingly. That brings us to our rapid fire round. Justin, I'm going to fire some quick questions at you, a couple of choices, and I just want you to respond from the gut and tell me which one you prefer. Does that sound okay? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. Number one, advertising or ABM? Both. But if I had to choose advertising with killer sales follow-up. Nice. Okay. Logic or magic? Well, both. But if I had to choose, (laughs) magic, because really, it's just a ton more fun and inspirational. Okay, I'm detecting a theme here. Good answer again. Uh, Brand building or lead generation? (laughs) I'm going to go with both again, Stu. But if I had to choose, um, I'd go with brand building again with killer sales follow up. (laughs) <laughs> okay, hedging your bets. I love it. Uh, and, and what would you say is right now the problem with B2B? I'm not sure there is a problem with B2B, but I know that Don Draper would find that problem, make sure anything wrong is fixed with bold ideas, unique points of view, probably a cigarette and a drink, uh, and it would be wonderful. Great stuff. I think we could all do with that. Uh, And then uh, if you could tell all CEOs to read one book, what would that be? I'm going to go outside of marketing. Um, And it's kind of maybe a relatively dry book, but it is John Doerr's Speed and Scale, which takes the entire global climate crisis and in perfectly analytical way develops an exhaustive action plan 
to get the world to net zero carbon emissions by 2050. They're down to six objectives, five to 10 key results for each. Uh, And I, I think if every CEO read it, no matter what, we'd be in a better place in the coming years. Fantastic choice. Uh, and then one final question. Uh, what's your favorite Don Draper moment or quote? Uh, I am such a fan of Mad Men. Um, and I love the fact that this podcast is you know, predicated on it. I, I've got a lot of favorite Don Draper moments, uh, but there, there are two that I kind of return to in my head a lot. One is Don's ability to turn around difficult situations uh, and, and turn those, flip those difficult situations completely on their head. Um, he did this at least once or twice a season with clients. And he did this um, certainly when he managed the agency and staged a coup to break off when they're getting acquired by McCann. The, the, the second thing that I return to from Don is a quote. Um, I think it's probably often quoted uh, for good reason. If you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. And he just does that all over the place. And I've tried to uh, pull that into my own career. Fantastic. A lovely detailed knowledge of Mad Men as well. Very impressive. All <laughs> it leaves me to say is, Justin Garrett, thanks so much for, for bringing it here today. And um, great to chat with you and, and learn about uh, you know your background and catch up on all your insights. Thanks so much, Stu. It's been a pleasure. And see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper.